It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You have to believe that you can do something that nobody else has done. And somehow that concept has to become reality. Somebody's got to make a play to stop this run. That last one, in fact, again, they push the pile for the first. And the pass is picked off. It's picked up by David Harris, who gets away from Brady. What a turn of events. Now being chased up by Trumper at the 10 yard line. Suddenly, the Jets defense responds when it looks like the Patriots were ready to drive it right down the field. Third and seven, Matt Moore. You're listening to No Fly Zone Radio with Victor Green. Welcome to the No Fly Zone Radio Show. All the way from across the pond, here are your hosts, Biff Sweeney and Richard Tinley. Welcome to No Fly Zone Radio. This is episode number 175. I'm your host, Biff Sweeney. I'm joined here by Draft Tech Analyst and good friend, Rich Tinley. How is it going, Rich? Yeah, all good in there. Season's taken a little bit of a tour now at this stage with a couple of glasses yeah. on the trot. Uh, bit of a Dave. I think, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I think ultimately we, like, you know, like, looking at it, uh, I think it does show we're not a win-now team, like the way everybody was kind of saying things during the year. Like, I get why there was some sort of inklings of that. You know, when you look at the kind of the play of the O-line, I think they gave up 22 pressures over the last two weeks there or something crazy like that. Maybe it might have been even just this weekend they gave up 22 pressures, actually. So, like, you know, like uh, when you have that and you have no run game, uh, that's kind of where the problem lies. Like, I think uh, they nearly got Mike White killed the previous week too, so you were kind of expecting a bit of a battle game this week. And, yeah, like... the. The O-line certainly is not that of a win-now team. Um, I think there's still plenty of question marks over the quarterback position. I'm sure we'll probably discuss it. Uh, And, yeah, like, special teams, the second sort of touchdown we've given up a punt return. uh, Like, there's only three all year. (laughs) We've given up two of them. So, you know, I think we have to put a man under the spotlight. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he had ideal conditions to be punting there so close to the end zone and the foul line. So, yeah, like, you can't wholeheartedly, like, you know, put entire blame with him. But, yeah, special teams coach, you know, needs to start maybe coming under the spotlight a bit more. Yeah, it was a 20-17 loss at the end against the Lions. The Lions looked more upward, but the offensive line struggled mightily. Um, the run game the last few weeks hasn't been great. It hasn't. It's been very inconsistent all week. All sorry, all year the run game. Um, some games they'll have a decent game, but more games they'll have a bad game, like fifty yards. Um, yeah, that's all. That that's all they're racked up against the Lions. The Lions, they were they were blitzing like mad. Uh, just 
I'll just talk about Zach for a minute. Zach, like he he looked better than he did three weeks ago. But like that, he had flashes of what you want to see. Then all of a sudden, he throws a massive interception that there was no need. Then you've got the likes of the simple throw to Barrios at the sideline. And he missed him big time. So the other thing is he can't read defences. So like this guy is very green, very green, very raw. So... Um, you can see in the first half, Ian, but uh, like I think he only missed like four passes. I think he was nine out of 13 for 170-odd yards in the first half. And like, yeah, I think that's why you're right is about the like the defense obviously made some adjustments when they came out in the second half that he had, was picked off early. And then they kind of got away from what they were doing with him. It was like, you know, he was reined back in because you were afraid of another sort of interception or another mistake from him. But yeah, like I think overall like for me, I think we saw the best of him and the worst of him all in the same sort of day. Like uh, he shows like why he is talented and why he was drafted so high. But yeah, he also kind of shows why he was also playing at BYU and not at a bigger school. Yeah, but like you, if you look at BYU, their division, it, it's it's not like the SEC. It's not even even if you look at the big the where um, Michigan and Ohio State, that division, that's tough. But where the likes of BYU are, it's not they're it's not a tough division. They're not playing big big time defenses. Um, but from a recruitment like, perspective, even he, do you know what I mean? Like that kind of like I'm not saying that he might have had another offers from bigger schools, but maybe what he thought was that he mightn't have got on with those teams where maybe he saw BYU as a team he got on a bit easier. I'm not like, but you know the sort of competition level down there, and in terms of like uh, the profile, the high profile of the, the the team, it wouldn't be as high profile as others. So. Yeah, it kind of maybe shows that he's just not fully ready, you know? Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Like, it's, sometimes you could see it on the, on the screen and it, it looks like you're looking at Johnny Mantel. And then, and then uh, I just, I don't, I can't get my head around. But like that thing. Like, he's only he, played 22 games or something, yeah, like, for yeah. his entire career, you know? Like, he's still, like, as much as you're saying, like, he's green, he, he's kind of supposed to be still at this time. You know what I mean? Like, like I think that, like, five years ago, if we were watching, like, you know what I mean? Like, a quarterback coming in and slinging the ball around in the first half, like Zach Wilson did, we'd be calling him a superstar. You know, like, that's kind of the reality of it. Whereas I think we've kind of moved on now to a where he's the perceived weak link and the quarterback for us probably over the last couple of years, because we haven't had a decent one in quite a while, is always perceived as the weak link. But the reality there is, for this team, it's the O-line. You know, oh. the O-line is not helping the quarterback. They're not helping the run game. Like, the running backs, we have a good enough to run the football. You know, so like if if they're not running it, that means those holes not opening. Like I seen one play there where Tomlinson like literally let a guy from Detroit run clean through to Zach Wilson. Like within two seconds, he blocked nobody. You know, like it, yeah. Some of the mistakes that the teams making on the O line is borderline, like you know, amateurish. Yeah, it's same with Herbig. Like he got manhandled against against the lanes. Um, 
the week before with um White behind center, like Harbin was getting manhandled. The the ta- everyone on the defensive line was getting manhandled. The only one I've seen this year that has actually been doing okay for a change is our center. He's going to be a free agent next year. Um, yeah, but just like as a unit, Ian, you know what I mean. They're not. They're not a platform for the run game, and neither are they a platform for a quarterback to really succeed. Because, like, you know, it doesn't matter who you have back there throwing the football. That tackle and Mike White is going to break most quarterbacks' ribs, regardless of how good they are. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of reality of it. Like that kind of those fans really don't get. Like, while we have got a lot more pieces around in terms of weapons. We still aren't really any further along in terms of, of having an old line that you could just trust or be that sort of platform where you know you can go out and run the ball for 120 yards guaranteed because of the way your old line is. And I think when you're coming into a, a game, you have a bit more air of confidence if you know your old line is going to be that rock or that platform to build everything else off. If you know, like, that you know, maybe like 10 games out of 15 be absolutely fantastic and you know another two games maybe three games they're well matched but overall you know they're, they're seen as the sort of foundation piece of the offense and I think yeah we kind of look for the quarterback as the foundation piece he's really the the piece that finishes it all off for me you know and looking at the O-line I think we're going to have to still do work on it this year you know going yeah. into the off season there's going to be more required there yeah well, for me, if you look at the offensive line the last two seasons, it's been very injury-prone, very inconsistent because you've got Beckton, who's out last year. He's out this year. You've got AVT, he's out this year. You brought in Tomlinson. For me personally, I think he's been inconsistent. For a guy that's done well with San Francisco, he's on a serious, serious cap hit at the moment, especially going into next year. Uh, you have Horby there at the minute. He's he's not the best. And uh, then you've got your centre, which I think he's been holding his own this year. So yeah, I think next year you're going to look at you're going to look into the draft again, and it's either going to be another tackle or a right guard. That's the way I look at. It. Well, like you, even yeah, the centre like is going to bring back to centre. You look at Tucker there, that's kind of like, I know we're missing Beckton too, but, but Tucker's the only really like um, guy who's really like solidified himself in that O-line. Like Beckton hasn't really done that yet. Like, so to me, that's kind of the only guy we're really missing. Like, I think the centre we have at the minute and the left guard are probably who we would have wanted there. Uh, Fant at right tackle as well and Brown at left tackle after Beckton's injury is probably what we would have wanted there. So we're kind of one player down on that unit. And I know that can be a big thing, but like 22 like pressures is a lot. Yeah. You know, like um, getting the QB almost killed on two or three separate occasions the week before too. It's just not acceptable play. And, you know, Joe Douglas must be, like, tearing his hair out with him being, like, a former O-line guy himself, like, to to not have that right yet, like, because that was a priority for me coming in here, like, from day one to try and fix that O-line. And, you know, we're a little bit further along, but we're nowhere near completed yet. Like, I think reality is we could look at maybe adding in two new upgrades 
anywhere in that line to hopefully make a big difference because yeah, like I know McDermott's playing okay and he's a free agent, but what's he gonna want? Can you get somebody cheaper in the draft, maybe? That's gonna, you know, want to come in and play for, to a high level from the start and and maybe be that sort of missing piece. I think left tackle, right tackle, the book kind of up in the air. And like, yeah, Tomlinson as well, like left guard. He hasn't been like horrible or anything like that. But yeah, like as I said, the play I seen there the weekend, like yeah, it was kind of a, a brain fart moment from him. But like again, I could have got Wilson killed if he didn't. Uh, Release the ball, you know, it led to an incomplete pass, and yeah, like you know, then the blame is kind of on Wilson for missing guys. When you know, the reality is the O line can't help them by opening up holes for the run game for start and then protect them. So, yeah, like I think whoever's behind there, the, the question's kind of mute, really. I don't think we're going to be good enough to win anything until we fix that O line, yeah. But the other thing is. You look at Fant, he's been inconsistent with injuries. He's been swapped back and forth from left to right, and he hasn't been good this year. Uh, the other thing is penalties with him when he comes back on the field is is not very good. The other thing is, if you look at our centre, McGovern, I was watching him, and I was watching Ragnar from the Detroit Lions, and you, you could see a big difference where um, Ragnar you could see the hand movement. He was pointing out where the rushes come from, who was the mic. Where if you look at McGovern, you never really see that. He's, he, he looks like a guy that does shite, even when he's standing yeah. at, the, at the, the huddle and everything. That's another thing you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like That kind of stuff from Ragnar playing centre is invaluable to the quarterback. You know, like uh, to have like some taking that responsibility. I don't know if there is anybody taking that responsibility on the, the Jets O line. It is usually the centre, but yeah, like I haven't really seen them doing much of that either throughout the year. Which kind of again may look like that the quarterbacks there are on his own, like trying to like do everything. You know, which yeah. it's even both guys have both a... very inexperienced. It's tough. Even when we had Mark Sanchez for his two first seasons. He had so much help off the centre. Like, he was, like, playing with two quarterbacks. Yeah, like, um, Mark Sanchez couldn't have probably landed in a better place if, in terms of, like, getting help from your centre because Nick Mango was probably one of the best centres in that regard of all time. Like, never mind, like, in the league at his time, I think, in his knowledge, like, him and Jeff Saturday, they'd be the two kind of guys I would look at and think, yeah... They kind of knew everything that that was coming from that defense. So yeah, like to have Sanchez landing there, he could not complain about that sort of center pairing with him. But yeah, I kind of think you know it's not a dominant position we have. Like yeah, he's holding up well in a lot of areas. But yeah, I just I don't know. I think we need a bit more of a kickstart with somebody new, somebody to come in and contribute more. Like I think into. In two areas over that line, somewhere I think we could new, use a bit more new and young blood. And like hope, obviously, Beckton maybe comes back and turns into a player because, you know, he was drafted high for a reason. Obviously, the injuries aren't ideal, but that doesn't mean he can't play football when he comes back. So, kind of, let's hope he can. Yeah. What's your thoughts on the tight ends? Because 
We drafted a tight end round three. I haven't really seen much of him all season. He wasn't even dressed on Saturday. Uh, played the two tight ends. Um, I just find that um, they're not explosive enough. And right, you've got uh, you've got um, Uzama. Two touchdowns. Brilliant. But like that, he doesn't have any speed. Big guy. Compared to last year, he was more impact more impactful. Where I don't know if the Jets are using him properly this year. And then you've got the likes of uh, Conklin that I just found very inconsistent this year. Like there's drop passes and everything from Conklin this year. Uh, I kinda like them. <laughs> Like, uh, I do think kind of, you know what I mean? Like, looking at now, that toad round pick for the tight end kind of seems like one of those uh, British rom-com types of picks, if you get me. Like, um, I thought we had two good free agent additions with what we got. I thought your bow was developing nicely there. And I think, yeah, the Jets nearly, to me, looked like they made the move on the grounds that his family was more like a Jets family, you know? And look... He could turn into a good player. I'm not saying he, he can't, but yeah, like, I don't know. I think um, he is kind of like the, the sort of odd one out there at the minute for me. Yeah. I didn't really have much expectations from him given what he'd done at Ohio State. Like, a lot more was made of what he could do in future because he hadn't done a lot in Ohio State. But, like, regardless, he hadn't done a lot. So, you still didn't know what he could do. Uh, so, Told round was a huge risk given the production he had for the position. And yeah, like moving forward, yeah, like I, I wouldn't be opposed to like seeing a bit more what your bow could do, but between now and the end of the season, like I know he was stripped there the weekend and uh, he was pro- probably playing special teams. I don't recall him being on the field for any snaps whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, like I kind of liked what he was coming when he was coming out of college. I kind of liked his potential, and in a way, you know, when you are drafted that low, you get a little bit of a, a luxury to develop at your own pace behind like closed doors with the, you know, not the pressure of game day happening and stuff like that. And you can be surprised sometimes at what fellas can do behind closed doors that when they're given the opportunity on that stage, that they just take it and you know become something that you never expected. And, yeah, that's kind of what I thought Yaboa could be over, like, maybe a five-year period. And, yeah, like, I'm not giving up hope on Conklin or CJ. I think uh, they complement each other very well. I think in terms of, like, disguises and stuff like that, CJ is very valuable because you, you see, and defence, see him as more a fella that you'll stay in in a blocking sort of formation, like he's more of a blocking tight end. So he's kind of like your Dallas Clark. If you remember back a couple of years ago in Indianapolis, had two really good tight ends. Uh, the guy from Stanford that was drafted uh, at the same time as um, Andrew Luck at quarterback. They were teammates then, and they had your man Dallas Clark as well. He was more of a blocking guy, but always like well watered. <laughs> a place in your fancy football team if you're stuck because he was always good for like sort of close yardage in the red zone and then yeah those sneak out plays as well so yeah I, I think I like what we're trying to do at the tight end position I don't think we are there yet but again 
for both guys, it's their first year in this system play, with this playbook, all of that type of stuff. So, yeah, you would think that there should be improvement at that position next year too, along with like running backs, quarterbacks. Like every year they get playing that system and get more used to the playbook. Things become easier because you, you know you're going to see more defenses. Yeah, like I'm not giving up hope on the tight ends. I do think as a duo they are going to be very, very good moving forward. How much of weapons they're going to be, I'm not sure. But in terms of blocking, I think we're better with them than we would be without them. Yeah, um, Q Quinn and Williams now was a massive loss in that game because the Jets really didn't get any push against that offensive line, even though they have a top-end offensive line. The other thing is, and I've said it all season, the middle of the defence is soft. They don't have any bangers. Like, you've Quincy Williams, which he's decent enough, but they don't have a guy that's going to lay someone out. The last guy we had was Jamal Adams. But we don't have that guy at the moment. And, You've got teams and they're getting yards on this and missed tackles. What's your thoughts? Yeah, like I do kind of think we are soft in the middle. I think we are soft. Like, he's hitting safety, but he's not a real tumper either. You know, uh, like he can lay the wood. He just, I suppose, picks and chooses and sometimes he has a few wrong angles. I think we have like a kind of maybe a, a weakness physically at uh, free safety for the most part. None of them strike me as hard hitting. Uh, CJ Mosley, yeah, I like I, I like what he does. I I think Quincy uh, Williams on his day as well can bring it, and Quan Alexander. Like I noticed him showing up in a few games and putting a few nice hits on guys. But yeah, I just don't think we're consistent enough in it. I think. Uh, where we may sort of actually have the physicality, we might just be lacking a little bit in sort of awareness or, you know, just a feel for where the ball's going to be and be just out of position to actually make sense. You know, that that's probably, for, for me, more of what I think it is. But I suppose just you brought up an interesting point with uh, Quinn and Williams missing and the, the player, the, the D-line. Like... Um, we have Huff now is going to be a free agent and he's a very effective player coming in playing like limited snaps. Um, I think that's probably obviously the best way to use him. But I suppose just how much he might want to come back to the Jets and then just the question of like if it was a choice between him and, and Lawson, um, like he's a 15 million cap hit next year. I'm not sure if there's any savings whatsoever, but like that's kind of like what he's getting uh, on the team. Huff, I think, may not go that high based on just his limited sort of reps, but that's kind of what we pay on. Was not a lot of production. It was kind of, it was coming to the fore when he was leaving Cincinnati, if you get me, uh, where he started playing a bit more snaps and was a bit more effective. So, yeah, like I, I'm just asking, I suppose, would you keep Lawson or Huff if, if it came down to it? I'd let Lawson go and I'd keep Huff. Like, Huff was my guy in the draft. I like Lawson, but like for 15 million, he's, he's not... 
he's not not he's not doing what you want to see a guy doing for fifteen million off the edge. Um, the other thing is you've got the defensive line as well. You've got at least three defensive line guys hitting free uh, agency as well. So, like, you've got free agents all over the place going into next year. So the Jets are going to have an awful lot of work to do after Christmas. Uh, I think I think one of the big option as well, Ian, is that uh, like I know CJ Mosley is over a twenty million. I think he's twenty one point five million cap hit next year, which is like it's a crazy cap hit for a middle linebacker when you could be getting maybe similar kind of production off somebody else for one quarter that price, like five million. Like uh, I'm just thinking that this year, Philadelphia Eagles got Kazir uh, White. He was the leading tackler for uh, the Chargers the previous year, like 134 tackles. And I think he's on a three and a half million contract this year with them on a one-year deal. So, like, when you look at what what value you can get around the league at the position, like, I'm not saying CJ Mosley's not a very, very good player. But is he worth that kind of money? I don't think so. So if you take him out of the equation or if we can restructure it and get that down a bit, great. But if it, he doesn't see, want to budge... See, they're already, they're already restructured it for this year. That's why it's so big for next year. But, like, you've got Rankins as well. He's got a... He's a free agent next year. And got... Franklin Mars is on big money too. I know that. Yeah. Nathan Shepard, he's a free agent as well. You know, there's there's a good few on the line. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of work to be done after Christmas, but they they have the foundation there um, with youth um, and some solid youth pieces. But I think the depth with top end players at the moment is hurting them bad. Like seen it against the Lions, seen it against the Bills, where the Jets, the Jets are at the moment are hurt. Their depth is hurt. Like Quinn and Williams out with the calf injury, and that's that's killed them on defense. You've got the offensive line, which has been shredded with injuries. Like you, you have to say, like you know, Detroit is one of the farm teams in the NFL. It's not like we came up against the team of mugs and we were right there at the end where we actually probably clutched defeat from the jaws of victory. If you get me, like even though we didn't play great, I still think we done enough to beat a very, very good team. So yeah, like I, I don't think all's lost either. I, I think we kind of need to win the last three games to like kind of guarantee a playoff spot. Um, <laughs> Do the bare minimum, I think, but we've got a three kind of tough games. Like Jacksonville's coming off a great win the weekend. Now I think did they get an overtime win against uh, Dallas? So yeah, like yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of be seem to be going into games where we're hitting teams that are hitting a bit of form. So yeah, Seattle may be the one game like. I'm hopeful kind of tomorrow night that we do get the win against Jacksonville. I think Seattle is kind of the big game, really, because we're away from home playing on the West Coast again, which has, you know, historically been very tough for us. So 
yeah, that's kind of the one we need to get over to then hopefully have a show at a playoff spot in the final game. Yeah, it looks like Trayvon Walker's out as well for the Jags. So, yeah, going into the Jags, tough game. Um, you've got Lawrence versus Zach. We should be interesting. Pick one versus pick two. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, where, where do you see that going? It's going to be tough, and then Tors is coming off that defeat. I think uh, if Quinn Williams is back, I think uh, we have a better chance of winning. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, ultimately, I think it's all going to come down to, like, what we can do on that defensive line. Uh, I think uh, the Jags O-line gave up something crazy, like two pressures against Dallas. Uh uh, I just seen an article on like how the Dallas's defensive and pass rush is apparently fake because that's all the pressures they got against Jacksonville. Now I would actually probably put that down to Jacksonville having a pretty good O line. So our D line is going to need to come to play, um, and I think we're going to need to have our O line protecting the quarterback. I think it's going to be Zach Wilson. I think White's out again for another week, uh, and like hopefully we can get a run game going this week. So, yeah, if we can do those things, I think we can get the win. I think if we fail in any of those areas, and I think we're going to struggle. Yeah. It looks like their offensive tack- left tackle is out as offensive well. Tackle. So, that's good news. But, right. like, that, how many teams have we went up against where the, the, the injury, the injuries all over the offensive line and they make, they make a show of us? Um, yeah, it's I, not I, easy. I, like, no, it's not. I, I'm going for a win in this game. Too many wins in lately. I'm disliking it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, look, I think uh, I'm going to try and stay positive here. I think if we can get the run game going, we'll win the game. But yeah, ultimately, I think we're coming up against another pretty decent side. So, yeah, I think it'll be a close one again. But, yeah, we'll hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll come out the other side of it with a win. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I think it brings us to the end of the show. Um, just want to wish everybody a happy Christmas. Yes, I hope everybody enjoys the, the holidays and plenty of football, I think, on Christmas Eve. I think there's plenty of games on Saturday as well and Sunday. So, yeah, we'll get plenty of football over Christmas as well. And, yeah, hopefully the Jets can stay in it over then. Yeah. All right, Slan for me. And Slan for me. Sports Social Podcast Network.